Biff Naked is coming to London, and Biff Naked is about to be with us here on London Live. She is going to be at Aeolian Hall on February 29th. New album out, memoir out as of a couple of years ago, and Biff Naked joins us on London Live. Great to have you with us. You know, you're a challenging person to introduce because you're a rock star, uh, punk rocker, author, activist, cancer survivor. There are a few more things here. What do you prefer? I usually just say I'm a dog mom. Um <laughs> Like any other pet person, I guess you know we uh, we we take, make priorities out of our little animals. See, my wife has been asking for a dog, and now the kids are starting to leave home. And yesterday we got going about corgis on the air, and they shed oh. a lot. What kind of dog do you have? Well, I would highly uh, recommend any dog from a shelter or a rescue um, if you want a dog that doesn't shed. I'm sure you can put your name in at uh, your local uh, SPCA or your local rescue. And uh, the next time they get a hypoallergenic dog through the door, uh, like a poodle, a Pomeranian, a a Maltese, a a Schnauzer, uh, a Bichon, a Yorkie, anything uh, that's hypoallergenic is probably going to be a non-shedding animal. And there's lots, unfortunately, that will go through shelter doors and put your name in. Yeah, we've got a lot of great work being done by shelters now. And you know what? At the same time, we still need more people to adopt pets, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. Or people need to adopt more than one. Okay, well, I, I don't know if I can do two dogs right away, but I'm I'm softening <laughs> on the one dog for sure. How's life going for you? You know what? It's always good. I can't complain. Um, I don't know. I really like winter. This is our second winter out here in Ontario. I had lived in Vancouver for 30 long years, and I love it here. So winter and me get along very well. And now, does that go back to when you lived in Winnipeg when you were young? I mean, if you can survive Winnipeg winter, you can survive pretty much anybody's winter. Well, I think that, like all of us, I don't really remember being cold as a little kid. <laughs> I mean, our parents threw us outside to play street hockey uh, or go play in the snowbanks for hours and hours and hours. We never came home. How did we not freeze? Yeah, and especially in Winnipeg. Portage in Maine gets a little chilly. Oh, my goodness. It's very chilly. Last week it was minus 46. <laughs> <laughs> so are you doing anything winter-wise? Do you go for walks or do you ski or snowboard or anything like that? You know, as soon as we moved out here, I bought hockey skates. Okay. The very first thing that I did. Uh, to try and uh, embrace winter, I guess. <laughs> and uh, we live pretty close uh, to the Lakeshore Arena. Uh, and, uh, you know, I kind of really like stick and puck. I've discovered it in the last couple of years. I'm terrible. I can't shoot a puck straight to save my life. But, boy, I have a good time, and I think that's all that matters. That's it. Well, you know what? We're looking forward to having you here doing something you actually do very well, and that is perform. You've got a new album out for the first time in in a little while, but you took a break basically to become an author, to write. What was the experience like going through and doing a memoir? Oh, the memoir was really weird. I mean, I I kind of blame my manager uh, for badgering me into doing it because I really didn't want to. 
and I accused him of only having me do a memoir when I was in chemotherapy and said, you just want a book in case I croak. And of course, I'm a happy little breast cancer survivor and uh, and wrote about a little bit of that in my memoir. I wrote about my childhood and being adopted and my parents and stuff like that. Uh, but it was very different uh, than writing lyrics. Of course, my lyrics have always been autobiographical, so I figured it would be no problem writing my, me- my memoir because uh, it's a lot of the same stories. Everybody's had a little trauma, I guess, in their in their life, and uh, I thought it would be okay writing those stories, but at least in songwriting, I can kind of hide everything in a metaphor, you know, kind of gently breeze over some issues, and uh, it was very hard to write the book. It took uh, it took a couple years of editing to find people at HarperCollins, and uh, it finally came out in 2016, and we did two uh, two acoustic tours uh, nationally to support that, and we're bringing it yes to the uh, to the London area. Very excited to come back. We love London, and um, of course, my acoustic record was actually produced by London's very own uh, Doug Fury, Doug McCarvel, with whom we're writing the new record. Um, yeah, it will be my. 11th record, uh, but my first in about nine years because we've just been so busy. Uh, So we released one single from it uh, last week called Jim, and the record is probably going to come out in August. I have two more singles that I want to put out. (laughs) We're talking with Biff Naked, who will be at Aeolian Hall on February 29th. See, we're lucky February gets an extra day, and that means Biff Naked gets to come to London on February the 29th. When you go back to creating that memoir, was it hard in trying to write enough, or was it hard? You mentioned editors. Was it maybe hard in trying to figure out what would go in there because you had too much? Oh, well, you know, like every other Generation X kid, um, we didn't really have computers growing up, so I, I grew up handwriting, and I handwrote most of my book because I don't have a word count. It was probably 200,000 words by the time I handed it in. And, you know, nice companies like that, they only really want 50. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to definitely whittle it down. And, uh, you know, some some stories that I thought were important, uh, like, you know, cooking curry for my dad when he was jet-lagged from Nepal or, or some other kind of mundane stuff uh, they didn't really want, but they did want the, the racy stuff about, oh, all the husbands and all the problems and uh it was uh, it was a lot of fun in the end, and it's fun to read. If you're going through husbands or you're going through different things that you know regular people do in life, you all of a sudden have yours in, in a much more public arena. How do you balance that? Well, honestly, all any of us can really do is just be completely honest. Um, I don't think that my experiences are different from any other girl my age. I think that all of us kind of, you know, we all went to high school listening to Madonna and Motley Crue, and we all, you know, kind of survived going through college and our first love and thrown up in the bathroom and doing all those kinds of things. And uh, just if you live long enough, you're going to have gone through a lot of stuff that you have to survive, whether it is, um, you know, heartbreak and uh, and divorce or whether it is things like cancer or losing a parent or losing a pet or, 
you know, just just the, the things that all of us have to experience. So for me, I think that because my job is this kind of weird public job, um, it might seem harder, but I don't think it's any harder uh, than anyone else's juggling of uh, emotion and work. With us on London Live this afternoon is Biff Naked. And I want to get into something that is sometimes difficult to talk about, but you haven't made it difficult to talk about at all. You were diagnosed with breast cancer. I've heard you say in the past that you were glad that happened to you, which is a pretty unique reaction. I hope it's not too personal, but can I ask you what makes you use that word glad when talking about your personal battle with cancer? Oh, I was glad from the beginning. I mean, the day they diagnosed me, I literally uh, thought, thank God, thank God that it is me and not my sister. You know, thank God it's not my mother. You know, I'm a tomboy, rough and tumble, punk rock chick. I didn't care about losing my hair. I didn't care about anything like that. I have a job where I can make my own hours, for example. Uh, whereas most of the women that I met and uh, volunteered with when I was in cancer treatment, they don't they don't have those opportunities. You know, um, they still have to take care of four kids, even if they're going through chemo. Some of them still have to go to work. You know, a lot of women that I met, they don't have a car. You know, they go to chemo and back on the bus. And I just thought, wow, you know, this is this is the strongest group of people I've ever met. And uh, the good thing about it is I, I wound up becoming a volunteer in my local cancer clinics in uh, in Vancouver. And it just kind of went from there. I uh, started volunteering with a few palliative patients and then really became enmeshed in, uh, in the healthcare system and particularly had a real love of uh, working in those palliative wards. And now, um, you know, it's all I want to do. I wish I could be a, a surrogate for chemo, <laughs> for <laughs> patients who are, you know, afraid uh, of starting chemo or they're very nervous or anxious about it um, and, and what the side effects will be. Uh, I feel kind of like, you know, I'm a pro. So I wish I could do it for everyone, but because I can't, the closest thing I can do is is volunteer and be a chaperone. Biff Naked will be here in London on February the 29th at Aeolian Hall. Your own struggle with it, that that fierce attitude that you seem to have toward it, do you think that helped in your own fight against cancer and getting to where you are now? Uh, You know, I'm not sure if it did. I think that I've always been the class clown, um, and I think that that really helped. You know, a sense of humor uh, above all else, really made a big difference. Uh, either whether you're in uh, the chemo ward or the radiation wards or the waiting rooms, um, I'm the kind of person who's a real elevator talker. Big surprise, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so I never shut up in the waiting rooms, and I just uh, I found that the more um, the more friendly I was, the more people who uh, maybe normally wouldn't talk or or are not really feeling like cracking a smile. Um, we would wind up having conversations um, in those rooms and we would be howling, laughing our heads off, you know, with tubes coming out of our out of our chests and whatnot, and we would be absolutely hysterical with laughter and make the nurses laugh and you know, just shenanigans and, and sharing stories. It really made all the difference. 
Before we let you go, we're going to be talking about the fight against homelessness in a little bit, and, and you've been involved with something called Raise the Rates. Can you explain what Raise the Rates is for anybody who hasn't heard of that? Oh, well, Raise the Rates was an initiative that was happening in Vancouver for a couple of years, and basically uh, it was um, our way of drawing attention uh, to the inadequacies of the welfare services in that city and how the amount of a check for somebody on social assistance in British Columbia, and I'm quite confident it's everywhere, Ontario as well, uh, it's just inadequate. It's simply not enough. Uh, to live on. And, uh, you know, our demonstration was about once uh, a person takes their little uh, check, you know, maybe it's 600 a month or 700 a month, and they pay their rent in their, you know, apartment that's not great. I mean, do you know any apartments that are less than 500 a month? Probably not. And if they are, they're probably not someplace that, you know, you'd like to live. Um, and then they, if they're lucky, they can afford a bus pass. And if they're really lucky, maybe they can get like a little flip phone, cell phone or something. At the end of the day, what do they have left uh, for food every month? Like it's nothing. It's literally nothing. That doesn't even count for toiletries or, or, or things like that. Just for food, maybe they're left with 20 bucks a week. And so what we would do is eat on 20 bucks a week and, and demonstrate it and, and archive it you know, for social media, and um, that's about, you know, seven, $7 a day or less, and, uh, and a few people would do that and show, show the, the uh, audience what we would eat and how someone is supposed to survive month after month, year after year, uh, eating this food that's not really nourishing and uh, doesn't really help you get well and transcend your situation and really try and put pressure on the local governments to to speak up and do something on behalf of, of people who are struggling and who are uh, on welfare assistance. One final thing, and that is the new album, Champion. Um, what can you tell us about the inspiration and, and what went into writing it? Well, Champion is uh, definitely a record that I've been wanting to make for a decade. Um, we've had a few false starts, and uh, I've made a few records that we just simply have shelved. Um, or not released at all. And finally, I think with, uh, working with Doug and with, uh, with Steve, really we, we hit a groove and we just started to compose these songs that sonically, uh, really motivated me to, to go deeper in my lyrics and, and write songs that I really wanted to sing. Well, we look forward to you being in London performing and, you know, and, and want to congratulate you for everything you've been involved in. Keep that spirit that you have. It is as contagious as it comes. So thanks so much for spending some time with us. Oh, I really appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. If Naked at Aeolian Hall on February the 29th.